Welcome to Secret Truths Radio Show, where we expose the inconvenient truths that they don't want you to know about. I'm your host, Mark Willison, along with my co-host, Scott. How are you doing today, Scott? I'm doing great, Mark. Delighted to be here and excited to join in in another episode. All right. How's the weather up there uh, up there in Vancouver? It's uh, sunny today. It's been raining for the last four weeks, and they say it's going to start raining at midnight tonight. Oh, oh well. We live in a rainforest, so, <laughs> you know, I'm not surprised. Well, around here in the desert, it finally looks like desert weather. We've had 85-degree temperatures with barely a cloud in the sky. Wow. So it's, uh, we've been... You know, it's like we almost didn't even have a spring this year at all. It just went from winter, and it was snowing, to next thing you know, it's blazing hot outside. Good. Well, well that's awesome. Yeah, we're happy to we're happy to see it. Except they're they're telling us that all the snow is melting so fast off the mountain that it's going to flood the whole city. So. Oh no. I, I guess it's, uh, you know that we're everybody was so happy that we got a, a really good snowpack this year and and above average uh, uh, water content and everything and. Yeah, well, of course, some you know <laughs> you can't uh, can't please them all, I guess. So no, that's right, that's <laughs> right. <laughs> Good. Well, that's exciting. Yeah. So uh, so I don't know if you've been noticing, but man, we have been getting a lot of comments on this BP oil spill. Yeah, people uh, are really concerned about it, and I don't blame them. I would be too. I am. Yeah, absolutely. It's just uh, it's quite an infuriating situation. So. Figured we'd uh, give you start off with a little update on this for you guys today, and uh, here is news from the LA Times. They're saying that a containment cap continues to capture increasing amounts of oil from BP's leaking well in the Gulf of Mexico, but bad weather in the coming days may hamper collection efforts, Coast Guard Admiral Thad Allen says. Hmm. Allen said Tuesday that 14,842 barrels of oil had been pulled into a processing vessel above the well in the last 24 hours, up from about 11,000 barrels reported a day earlier. And I find this really weird because, you know, I was curious. It talks about how much how much oil they're collecting there and all this good stuff, and and I cannot find anywhere where they're talking about how much oil is still leaking. You know, they're, good job, you guys are collecting lots of oil. Very proud of you. But mm-hmm. how much is, you know, the big question is, how much is still freaking leaking? And so I got, you know, I got onto uh, PBS, and they're saying that uh, 800,000 gallons a day, let's see, roughly 5,000 barrels a day. And Wow. I thought, well, that is really interesting if we're, if it's only leaking 5,000 barrels a day, how the heck are we able to collect 14,842 barrels in a day? And so I just, you know, I got really frustrated that the numbers are they're not really lining up and everybody's kind of got their own set of statistics that they're basing, you know, that they're working off of and there's no real consensus of what the heck is actually, you know, what's going on. So and of course they got you know they got storms expect you know bad weather expected for the next few days and so that's not going to help their their situation and it's just uh, you know it's going to inhibit all the clean you know all the capturing efforts obviously you know those those pipes floating around in the water down there with all the seas you know getting stirred up with the storm is you know that's going to be hard to maintain the control over that and of course all the oil that's already spilled out there is just going to get stirred up and spread around even more which is got to be just unbelievably 
infuriating if you live anywhere near anywhere on the coast or near the coast over there. That's just God. Yeah, yeah you wonder really how that's ever going to get cleaned up. Yep. And yep. and there's another uh, there's another twist to this story that I just wanted to share with you as well. Okay. And uh, they've been doing some. Um, and I'm not 100% sure who's been doing the test now. I'm just trying to look for that. Uh, I assume it's the U.S. government. But there are underwater oil plumes traveling dozens of miles away from the leaking well. So basically these are like, it would just, it's like when you put ink into, like, you know, fountain ink into a, into a glass of water and you see, you know, the ink kind of swirling around in the water. Well, not all the oil goes to the surface. A lot of the oil uh, stays below the surface, and it has this kind of looks like plumes, and it just goes out. And the concentration of the oil is very low, but like, what does that mean, right? You right. know, if it's very low concentration of oil, and you happen to be a dolphin going through it, or a salmon going through it, or a crab going through it, or a lobster going through it, or an alligator going through it, like, you know, and what happens if it happens to be like a lobster and you want to eat it, or a fish and you want to eat it, right? Now you're eating, you know, who knows, you know, what impact that will have. Absolutely. And that, no, that's a really good point, Scott, is that that this oil is not, you know, what we see on the surface. You know, if you get on the Google Maps thing and, you know, you look how large this oil spill is and all that uh, based on, you know, what they're showing us from the satellite photography and everything like that, you're, you're only getting a small piece of the picture because, like you're saying, the oil is literally traveling underwater before it ever even hits the surface. Yeah, yeah. And who knows where the heck it's going to eventually end up and, and rise, you know, pop up, you know, to rear its ugly head at. Or even if it stays down there, what is the impact on that going to be? Now, that's on, a good, that's a good the, point. It's probably even, well, I, I'm not going to speculate on it, but I can imagine that it would have uh, <laughs> severe consequences on water as well as on the surface. Right, and this is something that makes BP look even worse than it's looked before, and I'll explain that in just a second. But the head of the U.S. National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, NOAA, said water samples had been taken from three sites by a University of South Florida research vessel. Tests confirmed the presence of oil at 3,300 feet below the surface of the water, 42 wow. miles northeast and 142 miles southeast of the leak. 142 miles southeast of the leak underwater, 3,300 feet, there's oil. Wow. And they finished fingerprinting the oil in order to confirm that it came from the BP leak. <laughs> now, where else could it come from? I don't yeah, know. Right. But, you know uh, we've been tracking where the oil is going at the surface and where it is going below the surface, um, the, Ms. Lubichenko said. The BBC, uh, BP oil spill is a human tragedy and an environmental disaster. Yeah, we knew that. NOAA's testing backs up reports from scientists at a number of universities who have suggested that plumes of oil were suspended beneath the surface of the Gulf. And scientists warn that oil plumes are very difficult to clean up and they could damage the Gulf's abundant sea life by depleting oxygen in the water. So there's how it can have an impact. Gotcha. Now, here's the thing. Ten days ago, BP said that its own testing had found, quote, no evidence, unquote, of large plumes of oil underwater. The oil is on the surface, Mr. Haywood is quoted by AP as saying on May 30th. There aren't any plumes. You know what? <laughs> I tell you, that just makes me want to 
do some really bad things to that guy, to put it lightly. <laughs> well, and I suspect he's just being told, you know, misinformation after misinformation after misinformation, right? Uh, but yeah, he doesn't I, appear to have a, have it all, all his ducks in a row. That's for sure. No, no, and you'd be thinking that they'd be just like, okay, you guys, like, what is it? Let's and let's. I mean, it's just more egg and more egg and more egg on their. And it's just to me, it just proves that you cannot trust them. You know, it's it's like it's like the kid with his hand in the candy jar saying, oh, I'm taking candy." You know, that's like, that's exactly right. You know, you know, stand in the corner there for put a dunce hat on or whatever, right? <laughs> you know that that's that's good. That you know that's what we should have all our all our listeners. You know, we need to we need to put up a little online petition or something that every time we see Tony Hayward on TV, he needs to be wearing his big old pointed pink dunce hat. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Because <laughs> everybody, I mean, he's just I can't even I can't. I'm, as as, you're, as anybody who was listening last time heard, we are just shocked that he's still he's still in charge of BP, and and we're just as utterly shocked that BP is still in charge of cleaning up this this spill. I'll so. tell you, you know, Mark, I think there's nobody anywhere in the world that would not get up and applaud if the U.S. military just seized the friggin' thing. You know, absolutely. Like, that's I mean, the Taliban. I was going to say they've never done anything so bad as this, and I think some people would agree with me and some people would argue with me. But, I mean, really, uh, this is worth invading the Gulf of Mexico to stop. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, you know, I mean, if it had it been a terrorist attack, you know, I think that's a good, you know, you kind of hit on something I hadn't thought of before. But, you know, let's suppose that this was a terrorist attack and they actually planted bombs on this you know, thing to to create this disaster intentionally. Obviously, we'd have a military response in that situation. Yeah. And you know, we'd have ships and admirals and you know all the engineering people and everybody coming together with the entire might of U.S. military to you know solve the problem and 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 you know hold to justice the the people that did it in the first place. And it's like. You know, because it was supposedly an accident by a company that, you know, I mean, British Petroleum. I don't know what what the United States has in relate in trying to. You know, I don't see any uh, reason to try and offer protection for. Uh, you know, I mean, they're not even an American company. Yeah, but they're one of your allies, so you're going to be giving them, you know, a little bit of slack. But I don't think you should be giving them any more slack. Yeah, I, I, I think at a certain point, you know, I mean, there's only so much, there's only so much damage you can sustain before you gotta, before you gotta call retreat. And uh, you know, I, I think, I think they were well beyond that, that point in the situation right now. Yeah, I do too. So on a, on a, on another note, uh, you'd be interested to learn what I discovered this weekend. Well, what did you discover this weekend, Mark? Well, I was watching uh, watching a show that was talking about and showing video of this guy that's been doing all this underwater exploration around different, you know, coastlines of the coastlines of the world, mm-hmm. and he says that they found incredible structures um, and 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 city like city like structures, you know, underwater things cool. like you know they they found pyramids, they found uh, tombs, they found roads, they've I mean, just entire, you know, unbelievably well-preserved ruins, um, 
you know, hundreds of feet down under underwater. Wow. And I thought, well, that's, you know, that's pretty interesting. But as they go, as you know, as this guy's going on more and more, he's he's laying the foundation of, well, how did anybody build a pyramid underwater? I thought, well, that's a mighty good question. How how, how did they build a pyramid underwater? Hmm. And so obviously they didn't build a pyramid when it was underwater. What happened was they were, you know, they built all of these structures and these pyramids and and stuff while they were while the land was still above water. And right. I thought, okay, well, that, you know, makes that makes sense. sense. Yeah. yeah, sure. But what what was really striking about this whole this whole investigation is that he says that the last time that these parts of the world were actually above water was during the last ice age. You know, maybe oh, say 10, 000, 000, yeah, ten to twelve thousand years ago. Okay. And you know, as far as we know, the Mesopotamian society, civilization, and the Incas and the Mayas and ancient Egypt. I mean. We don't have any civilizations that we know of that go but that date back ten thousand years ago. You know, as far as as far as they're teaching in the you know the textbooks right now, and and common knowledge says that you know back in those times that was you know those were the cavemen running around. And yeah, before seven thousand years ago or seven thousand BC, we were basically nomadic, wandering hunter gatherers. Exactly. And so, so all of a sudden you got a city. Although you've got more than one city, it sounds like. Oh yeah, more than oh. one city. I mean, we apparently there, you know, that we have pyramids and sphinxes and un- just you know massive architectural uh, displays down there that you know make you make you really wonder how they how, how they did it. The same challenges that you know we see in some of the ruins, you know, on on land around the around the world. You know, these massive, I mean, tens of hundreds of tens of hundreds of tons of these perfectly carved uniform blocks. I mean, and these things are, you know, straight edged, you know, I mean, look like they've been laser etched, not just carved with a, you know, hammer and chisel or whatever. I mean, these things are unbelievably precise. Wow. But just, but on such just a, such a massive scale, I mean, it's practically incomprehensible how the heck they did it. Because even to this day, with all the technology that we have in modern society now, we still do not have a crane that could even come close to lifting one of the just a single one of these blocks. Wow! And so, you know, the question becomes: Well, if there is, you know, if there's ruins of a, you know, of, of people that built, you know, pyramids and, and temples and stuff like that, you know, ten thousand years ago, how come we haven't heard about this? You know, who who are these people? You know, where did they come from? Where where did they go? I mean, what the heck happened to them? Mm-hmm. And how did they accomplish these incredible feats? You know, having with with the technology that they had, you know, that far that that long ago. Yeah. So I I mean, I don't know. I, I don't know the answer to that. I you know when I I hear you know, some of the theories they talk about, are, you know, well maybe there's a you know, maybe the story of Atlantis is true, and there was a great technological society that existed, you know, tens of thousands of years ago. Or maybe, you know, maybe this is evidence that, uh, you know, they, we had that people had help from, I don't know, another, another race or another, you know, civilization. Another, yeah, abs- uh, who knows? The Anunnaki. Uh, absolutely, Anunnaki has been mentioned, and and you know, I don't. I think there's a lot of, you know, that's mostly 
you know, the conspiracy theorists that, that say that. And, 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 you know, I mean, I, I can see the facts, and I, the facts clearly tell me that somebody, somebody built those things at that time, but they don't, you know, they don't point us in a specific direction of, of who that somebody may be. And so, you know, I, I think that this would, you know, this should be just incredible news. This should be the, you know, one of the top headlines on the, on the, in the world right now is that, you know, wow, look at this amazing stuff we found. I mean, how did, how did all this happen? How did it get there? And, and, you know, what kind of technologies are, are available or, or potentially possible that we're, you know, either have forgotten about or have yet to, or, you know, have yet to discover. Right, right. And so I just, it was, a, it, was a, it was a fascinating thing, and it just really got my head, you know, my head spinning. I was thinking, like, wow. I mean, how come I, you know, that's, I did not learn any of this when I went to school. No. Nope. And I, when I ask people, I say, well, hey, have you seen, you know, have you heard about the pyramids they found underwater? They look at me like, underwater? How the heck, who the hell built pyramids underwater? Right, right. So, uh, you know, it's like, there's just, a, I feel that we're missing a huge piece of the puzzle of our own history, you know, and I mean, with so many people, I mean, if, if you were to take a survey of, of people, I think that you're, you'll find that most people are, you know, tend to, tend to have some sort of a religious uh, be- belief of some sort. I mean, even if they believe in, you know, atheism, or, you know, or, or no God or anything like that, you know, I think spirituality is a big part of, of humanity. And, you know, all of the, most of the spiritual teachings that we know of, you know, are, are based in history and are recorded history and stories of things happened, you know, thousands of years ago. Yeah. But it's like, wow, I lived, you know, if we have this civilization that nobody's really aware of, there's like a missing link to the puzzle. You know, what's, what's, what's the rest of the story? And, That's I mean, right. you know, I'm really interested. I would love to know what the rest of the story is and who built those, those ruins and how... How, how the heck did they do it? That just, you know, one of my favorite shows is Modern Marvels and and uh, build it build it bigger and how do they how do they do it and all these kind of like how to shows that show how, how they build things and man that would be you know I would love to see them do an episode on how the heck did they you know how did they actually build these you know these massive structures with with such precision uh, during a time period when you know we weren't supposed to have any of that technology and even today we would have a you know, <laughs> a slight challenge, to put it lightly, uh, on how to how to achieve something like that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, there's so many unanswered questions where it just seems like our technology, the level of technology we have right now, is not able to explain what was done by theoretically less enlightened, uh, civilized human beings. And it's yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's. It certainly warrants for uh, for further investigation, I would think. I mean, gosh, if, if I was in the archaeological field or anything like that, any kind of uh, historical field at all, I think this would just be absolutely fascinating. Yeah. <laughs> like, let's get on, you know, got to get on this one right away. That's right. Yeah, like, how how come we don't have the National Geographic making a big announcement that they're going to be going and, and uh, checking this out and checking that out. Um, yeah, absolutely. And, and it's not like this is something that just occurred, right? Like the uh, in India, the Bay of Kambi is where uh, 
a 95-year-old city was found underwater in India. And this is this article I'm reading is March 4, 2002, which uh-huh. is eight years ago, right? Sure. And it's uh, this is you know it's it's up the west coast of India, uh, kind of near the top, and it's about a five-mile by long and two-mile wide city, and it's believed to predate the oldest known remains in India by more than 5,000 years. Um, so it's just like, uh, it's just it's just absolutely amazing that this isn't something that uh, people aren't just jumping into and really um, going after. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And there's, I mean, there's further evidence. I, I don't know if you've ever been to Egypt before, Scott, but... I've always wanted to go visit Egypt and see the pyramids and see see the Sphinx and all that good stuff. And, you know, I'm learning about the Sphinx. You know, this guy, is he was talking about the underwater ruins, and then he kind of tied this in with, with Egypt and everything. And he's saying that the Sphinx, the, the, the Giza Sphinx, is it has been modified. He says, when you look at the Sphinx, what does the body look like? And it's like a lion. Looks like a it looks like a big old lion. He yeah. says, "Well, what does the head look like?" And you know, obviously, the head looks like a you know a pharaoh or or one of the Egyptian kings. But the the third question that he posed is, he says, "Why?" You know, I mean, we've seen lots of statues of pharaohs and different uh, different artwork and paintings and all that stuff, but. In this particular one, why is it that they made the head on this thing so disproportionately small? In comparison mm-hmm. to the body, and I thought, well, uh, good question. Why? Why is that? And he's, you know, he alludes to the fact that it's very, it's very, very likely that the original head of the Sphinx has no longer remains and has been carved down to make the Pharaoh head that's on it now. And so, what is all of this? You know, where what does this mean, and where is this going? Is that the Sphinx? Is is much older than we realize. You know, didn't mm. build. They didn't actually build the Sphinx for you know in the time of this of these pharaohs. The Sphinx was already there, and the pharaohs all they did was come along and and reshape it, retool it a little bit to you know to make it for their own um, everlasting immortality or whatever. So they would be remembered forever. And if you actually look at the back of the Sphinx, you can see uh, massive signs of water erosion. And the kind of water that they get, you know, this isn't the kind of erosion that they get from, you know, from the rain, the rainfall that they have in Egypt right now. This is the kind of rainfall erosion that would have happened, you know, m- at least twice as many years as they would attribute the Sphinx to be age-wise right now. So. They kind of it would put it back basically at the same time as, as this ice age, the end of this ice age, and that's just like wow. If the Sphinx is that old, that's just another you know one, one more solid piece of evidence that that shows that wow civilization is much older than than we realized, and the technological capability that they had in these times was arguably superior to what we even have today. And I was like, "Wow, that's a mind, That's just mind blowing to me. What a shocker!" Yeah, yeah. That. So now we've got two pieces of evidence that there could have been, or had to have been, 
civilizations many thousands of years before we thought. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's and now uh, we know why the face of the of the Sphinx is ruined. It's because when they were redoing it, they made a mistake and cracked it. Oh yeah, <laughs> I mean, uh, something they did. They certainly they certainly did something to it. But you can see where the headdress, you know, of the pharaoh, you can see that the headdress circumference is roughly, you know. What the what the if you can imagine what the head of this lion must have been must have looked like you know in its original form that's a, it, it makes it fits perfectly it's like oh well we you know we want to make the you know the pharaoh appropriate and so we only have this much rock to carve out of so you know the outside of the you know the thing is going to be the headdress and we'll just whittle our way down down in and it's it's just it really cracks me up when I look at that thing now. I go, wow, how the heck could anybody not be asking what kind of idiot designed the Sphinx to look like that? Right. Gosh, if I wanted my leg- legacy to be immortalized in stone forever, you know, I, you might want to tell the guy, hey, the, the body's way too big for the head on this thing, or can we make the head bigger or something? Right, but, uh, right. You know, it, it, makes, it makes perfect sense that if they, if they came along and, and uh, carved the head out, after, After the fact, yeah, because yeah. you had a lion's head there, so you took the mane, turned it into the headdress of the of the uh, ruler, and then right. uh, yeah, yeah, that 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 kind of makes sense. So what we have here is we have something that's five or six thousand years old that's probably eight or nine thousand years old. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. And then and when you you know it kind of makes sense if you. If you look at the idea of a lion, and you look at where the li- you know where the sphinx is actually pointing to, and you you go back in time to you know to well if you if you match up the constellation that you know I, I don't know if you're aware or, or or believe in this, but apparently the Egyptians are very um, you know, they were very competent astronomers, and they very much paid attention to the movement of the heavens and the stars and the sky. Yeah. And so one of the things that, uh, you know, that people re- refer to frequently is that the alignment of the pyramids is, is aligned to look like uh, the stars in Orion's belt, for yeah. example. Yeah. And so, okay, well, if that's, if that's said, well, you know, you've got the Sphinx pointing to the east there, and so if you watch what constellation comes up, you know, during... During the time when the Sphinx was supposedly built, well, it's it's not a lion. Uh, uh, age of Aquarius, I believe, is. No, we're in the age of Aquarius now. It wouldn't have been Pisces. Um, it would have been, it, I think, Taurus. Taurus, exactly. It would have been. They wouldn't have built a lion. They would have built a bull. Yeah. And so they said, all right, well, let's, you know, let's look at the, you know, if we if we try and correspond the water erosion markings on the Sphinx to the time frame and then let's go back and look at what the astrological you know alignment would have been at that time well then the lion and Leo fits in perfectly point and that's that's right where the Sphinx is pointed to in the east when the sun rises uh, oh, wow. rises and it's like boom there it is and so it's just like wow it's you know kind of makes a lot it, it makes a lot of sense that you know the Sphinx is way out of Way out of place for being 2500 BC or anything like that. I mean, it had to, 
But if it was around 10,000 BC, it'd be facing in the right direction. It'd be, yeah, it'd be pointing. Yeah, absolutely. Everything would line up just perfectly uh, for the symbolism of Leo. Huh. Very I thought, wow, cool. I, you know, I've studied, you know, I've looked into the pyramid thing a whole bunch of times, and I've never come, I've never seen anything like this. I just thought, wow, that is that is fascinating. That silly little head on the Sphinx is. Very silly and inappropriate and out of place, and uh, somebody had a big ego. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> yeah. Well, I, you know, certainly uh, for the time of the pharaohs, I think they all, all those guys had a huge ego. You know, just to, <laughs> well, they, yeah, they, they sure we, would have. You know, I was going to say, you know, imagine them, you know, having all their thousands of slaves, you know, building these, you know, working their entire lives to build these monuments to these pharaohs or whatever, and. I was about to say that, and then I thought, well, you know, that's just speculation. Nobody really knows how the heck we built them anyway. So maybe it wasn't, uh, <laughs> you know, maybe they didn't have to put all these thousands of slave workers into into chains and make them, you know, make them do this hard labor. Maybe maybe we had these uh, fantastic technology. They could just levitate blocks of stone and whip them into place, you know, in the blink of an eye. Who knows? Right, right. <laughs> But you know, I, th- I sure, I sure would like to see an increase. You know, some investigation into this. I'd like to, you know, I wish this was more, more mainstream. And I, and I, you know, I kind of believe that that's sort of our, sort of our purpose in exposing all these little uh, inconvenient truths, is to bring about, you know, a, a, a change that would that make this, you know, that would make this world a better place. Like, just think about if we actually went back and studied how how these civil you know how did this civilization live and how did they do what they do and how did they die out and you know just just the one piece if they if we could figure out how they were able to carve those blocks those 100 ton blocks of stone and move them into you know you know they, they didn't just like they're not just like all along the base i mean we're talking these things are stacked on top of each other and and built into actual structures. And sometimes the space between the rocks is so fine you cannot even put uh, a piece of paper between That's the right. pieces of rock. So we're not looking at something that was just, well, here's a chunk of raw stone, let's put it on here, let's put it on there, let's put it on here. Uh, yeah, we're not talking about like the arrangement on Stonehenge or anything. I mean, we're talking about, you know, even Freemasons would be <laughs> would be very impressed, to say the right. least. Right, and everything we do now with stones like brick, we put mortar between, and a lot of these things don't have any mortar between, and they're right. more solid than if they did. Pretty much. Exactly, absolutely, because they're, yeah, yeah, they're actually physically fitting in place, and the, the how tight they actually fit together increases the strength of the structure, as opposed to mortar, which is just, you know, if you can imagine gluing a bunch of paper, you know, or toothpicks together, that's basically what you have with a a bricks and mortar type of structure, right? So, yeah, I, I just think that if we, you know, if we could, you know, study this and and question it, and that, you know, like as the next generation of young scientists and explorers and archaeologists is is coming up, you know, ask ask the questions, you know, be curious and and let's discover. God, if we could discover how they move those 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 blocks, you know, maybe we could take take and you know carve out a hundred ton block or whatever and. And move that sucker over to the Gulf of Mexico and go plug up that stupid oil leak hole that they've got in the ocean floor. That's right. Just drop it on there. 
Yeah, drop it on there, plug that sucker up, and call it a day. You'd be done. <laughs> the problem would be solved. And, uh, you know, it's just like, and, and the one thing is just make sure the president of BP is under the rock as it goes down. That's right. That's right. Exactly. He can be exactly. the he can be we'll the 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 uh, seal that seals it. That's right. That's right. Seal the deal. That'll, that's, that's what I call I guess, killing, killing yeah, two birds with one stone, right? Yeah. Yeah. I guess that really wasn't very nice, but he's ticked us off, folks, and we don't mind saying it. That's right. That's right. <laughs> All right. Well, I think uh, that sounds like a wrap to me, Mark. Uh, you some gave some just some absolutely amazing uh, information, particularly about those undersea uh, cities and, of course, our update on, on the oil spill, which I think we'll continue doing moving forward until it's, it's over and done with. But, uh, that's right. We're not going to let them off the hook. No. Well, that's great. Every, everybody, you know, please uh, thank you very much for all the comments you've sent in to us. We really appreciate it, and, and trust me, we, we're right there with you. We are pissed off about this situation. Um, so please, you know, visit secrettruths.com and leave us your comments and any insights you guys might have on uh, potential, you know, topic topic ideas that you want to see us explore more of or anything like that. And just let us know what you think. And uh, thank you very much for listening. And we'll uh, look forward to joining, having you join us again next week. Bye bye, everybody.